I heard the first sound, uh, I should say sad sound, of summer yesterday. I heard it. Becky apparently had heard it before, but the first, I heard the first cicada yesterday. Has anyone been hearing cicadas? Huh? Okay, some of you've already been sad. Uh, yeah, because that uh, indicates what? That um, fall's coming. Yeah, that uh, summer is winding down. That's always the, when the cicadas start buzzing, it means summer's winding down. Actually, it's not. It's still going to be hot until September 21st at least, but, but uh, it just kind of deceives us, doesn't it? And causes us to think that summer's really over, but it's not quite over yet. <laughs> and uh, the heat yesterday was an indicator of that, and also today. But, um, oh well, I enjoy fall. And I hope you do too. We've got a lot of, the Lord always got, has good things in every season for us. Um, today we want to continue our series on heaven. And uh, today we're looking more specifically into our inheritance, our inheritance in heaven. And I want to share with you, uh, there's our inheritance, when it comes to issues of our inheritance, they're actually spread out through the entire New Testament. Uh, comments from Paul, comments from Peter, and, and uh, the other apostles as well. And of course, there's, uh, there's uh, indications of it, or I should say uh, inferences of our inheritance in the Old Testament as well. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, when it comes to our inheritance, I'd like to read you just this extended portion of scripture that will give us the flow of, uh, of, what, of why we have such a great inheritance in heaven. Peter says, well, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Powerful words there. Peter's just kind of showing us exactly, kind of showing us why we have our inheritance in heaven. Already he's given us some indications here. We have this living hope of good things to come because Jesus has risen from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade away, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter's given us indication that there's, there's levels of, there's different phases of salvation that we're going through. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That is when he comes back in the clouds. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of of your souls. And so Peter is saying that as we, uh, as we look forward to our inheritance in heaven, that uh, we should rejoice because that will be the fulfillment of the complete salvation of our souls that Jesus has planned. You know, it is my understanding that there are two kinds of birthday parties, and uh, we're actually going to have a birthday party tonight uh, for my sister-in-law. She's uh, going to be, um, let's see, I don't see her here today, so... Uh, She's going to be 60. If you see her, you'll know she's 60. Um, but uh, uh, we're going to have a birthday party for her tonight. And she's been with us this last week. But um, 
my understanding is that there's two kinds of birthday parties. Uh, one is, uh, I, I love this picture. I hope you love it. I just love this picture. But one is a surprise party, uh, I tell you. Uh, I, uh, does this woman look surprised? I hope, hope you think she does, because I, I thought she did. I think she looks like she's having a good time. But uh, there, again, there's two kinds of birthday parties. One's a surprise party. A surprise party is more fun at first, at least for all the folks who are planning uh, uh, for the unsuspecting victim, if you will. The, the, the fun of the covert preparation a lot of times is really enjoyable. And then anticipating the, 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 the birthday boy or girl, their reaction. Uh, recently, last May, um, the kids planned a little surprise birthday for Becky, and it was hilarious. Uh, I was able to keep, I almost blew it a couple times, but I was able to keep it quiet, and she had no idea that uh, the kids were planning this. And uh, uh, the kids, they, uh, uh, our daughter actually uh, is a, I don't know if she has the gift of prophecy or whatever, but she said, uh, she told her, her brothers and her sister and said, I can tell you exactly how mom's going to react when she's surprised. And uh, sure enough, uh, Becky, she, she reacted just exactly the way Gabrielle said. So, so um, you know, uh, they, she was really surprised. And that, that was, that's, the, that's one kind of party that uh, you know, we can have as a birthday person, as a birthday celebration. There's a second type too, one called informed, the informed party. Now, I tried to get a picture of bored, you know, people who are bored. And these people are about the bored, about the most bored people I can think of or I, I, I could find on the internet here. Uh, would you like to go to a party like this, you know? Boy, that looks pretty. Yeah, no. Uh, actually, you don't have to be bored at the informed party. You can also have a great time at the informed party. But if that's where everybody knows. They say, well, we're going to plan your party like Jenny. She, she knows her parties tonight. And so she knows all about it. It's not going to be a, be a surprise no tour, but um, it, it's still appreciated by everybody. Um, someone has said that it's really, it's really this. It's really anticipation that is either the joy or it's the agony of an upcoming event. Um, isn't that true? That's really true. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about anticipation being really the fun part of any, of any event, uh, a good, good event. Um, we all like to be surprised, of course, by good news. Um, we don't really enjoy bad news, of course. We, we dread facing unwanted future appointments like tax day or, or like surgery. But, but uh, we, we all love the thrill of anticipating a fun event that's just ahead. And sometimes the anticipation is just as fun as the actual event. I got to tell you, there's sometimes, uh, you know, the days before Christmas are just as memorable as Christmas Day. The anticipation is, uh, is, a, is a good thing. You know, for genuine Christians that, uh, you know, while, they, while we love mortal life in this creation, it just becomes less and less desirable as we get older, doesn't it? Um, we, it's not that we're looking to pass away today or, you know, we're, we're looking to die or anything like that. But, but we look forward to seeing our Creator face to face. I think that happens to us as we get older. We just, uh, we've lived life. We, we know the ups and downs of it. And we, we, you know, so many things that seem to go wrong all the time. And, and our bodies are wearing out. And we just look forward to seeing our Creator face to face. I think it happens. There's an anticipation of that happening. And uh, the Bible in, informs us that the party that's coming, it's uh, not only, we're not only anticipating it, 
But we're going to be surprised when we see how marvelous it is. Just marvelous. As God's children and followers of Jesus, we really anticipate that prospect. The Bible wants to get us excited about it. The prospect of our glorious inheritance in this eternal heaven that God has planned for us. We, we know from Scripture that it is so marvelous that actually it is beyond our words to describe. There's no human words. There's no, there's no language on earth that can, uh, is adequate to describe the glory, the wonder, the goodness, the, the surprise that God has in store for us in heaven. And that is the reason, again, why there's really no description of heaven in the Bible. I know sometimes we think that, well, heaven's gold streets, right? Uh, no, uh, not really. Um, when you read that, when you read that account in the book of Revelation, the gold streets are talking about the church. It's talking about the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem's us. So I saw, and the, 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 the new Jerusalem's made up of gold streets and pearly gates and things like that. And that's just characteristics that are describing God's grace in our life. How God has changed us. How God has marvelously made our path straight and, and made the path golden for us. You know, we used to live in sinful paths and God has changed our lives. Anyway, that, that's another sermon. But, but the, um, the Bible doesn't really give us a good description of heaven because it's really beyond the, the, our words right now. And as God's children, as followers of Jesus, we really anticipate the prospect of our glorious inheritance um, in this eternal heaven that God has planned for us. We, we know from Scripture that it, it's so marvelous that, uh, well, we only get these vague images about what, how marvelous it's going to be. But heaven is, uh, is going to be the, the culmination, loved ones, of our salvation. We'll talk maybe more about this next week, but it's going to be the culmination of our salvation. That right now, Peter, he's, he's describing this, how we're in the process of being saved. We're saved... But we're in the process of being saved as well. We're in the process of being sanctified. And that there'll come a point when our bodies are redeemed and we're fully saved. And then we're ready for heaven. We're not ready for heaven until we, until we, until we, uh, we're not ready for eternity until our full salvation, until every part of our salvation takes place in our life. And we'll talk more about that next week. But what is definitely clear about heaven is the type of riches that are going to be there the type of riches. There's, there's two kinds. There's actually two kinds of inheritance in heaven the Bible talks about. There's God's inheritance, then there's our inheritance as well. So God has an inheritance, the Bible speaks of, and we have an inheritance. Let's just take a, take a look here at this, at this, this first, uh, at this first um, uh, part of the inheritance that's going to be shared in heaven, and it's going to be God's inheritance. Ephesians uh, chapter 1 here, uh, verse 18, Paul describes it. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. Paul is talking about how that God, his inheritance that he has, is us. And that's something. That's what God wants. God wants us. That's his joy. That's his delight, is you and me in Christ. The redeemed ones. That's his joy. 
That's who he wants to be uh, with him for all eternity. That is his inheritance. We, we usually think of only our inheritance in God. But Paul wanted the Ephesians here to understand that um, they are so precious to God that he considered them his own inheritance. Isn't that something? Um, it's amazing. In our spiritual poverty, in that we wonder how God can find any inheritance in us. Why would God want us? Um, yet God can make riches out of the out of poor men and women because he invests so much in them. He invests in them, loved ones. He, he has invested the riches of Christ in us, the riches of his love, the riches of his wisdom, the riches of his suffering, the riches of glory. And these things um, really just, uh, they, 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 they accrue to a, uh, to a rich inheritance in the saints. We're kind of like diamonds, if you will. That God will hold us up kind of like diamonds that he has fashioned by his grace. And you know how diamonds, they're, how they're cut. They have many sides, many, many facets. And I think what he's going to do in eternity, and again, it's, there's no words to describe exactly how he's going to do this. You think, you know, there's, with all the, the billions of people are going to be in, in heaven. Um, there's going to be billions more in hell, the Bible says. But there's going to be billions in heaven. And he's going to take us up, and he's going to, he's going to, his glory is going to reflect off all those different facets, all those diff, different sides. And he's going to show how, by his love and by our saying yes to him, this is what he has produced. This, this is what grace has produced. You know, this was the time here in your life where love conquered hate, David. Right here, where love conquered hate. You remember that time, you know? Here's where forgiveness gave hope. Here's where faith became despair, uh, uh, overcame despair. Here, here's where sacrifice brought blessing to many other people. He's just going to kind of turn us, you know, in his glory. All this light's going to reflect off those different sides of his grace in our life. And on and on and on. God won't do that. He's not going to do that in some sort of egotistical manner because God is, uh, he is incapable of any kind of unrighteous vanity. But he's going to display us as those cherished and redeemed treasures uh, uh, at a great cost because of his great love for us. And he's going to display those, just the many wonders of his salvation in our lives. And he's going to be happy about it. Yeah. Titus uh, Actually, Paul talks to Titus about this very truth too. Listen to this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us actually to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And while we wait for the blessed hope, that is this inheritance that is coming to us, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. There you have it. Jesus' longing um, is that we know him, that we who know him will someday be with him. Remember in the garden when he prayed, John, is it John chapter 17 there? When he prayed in the garden, he was praying that, um, Father, he said, I pray that you not take them out of the world yet. But then there's a section where he says, but Father, I want them to be with me. 
No, Jesus prayed that you would be with him. I want them to be with me. Um, it's actually in John here. He says, Father, um, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Wow. Jesus wants us to be with him. To be with him. And loved ones, that's where heaven is different. Right there. When we think of inheritance, we think of riches. We think this way. That when our relative dies, they leave us something. And it's usually something material. It's you know, it's, it's, it's money or it's property. It's maybe, um, you know, um, it comes in the form of, of cars or houses or land or, you know, something like that. That's what we think of as inheritance. In heaven, it's not like that at all. Not like that at all. You won't be riding around in a gold Cadillac there. You know, I know the song says, and I sung it as a boy, you know, you know, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. It's, it's, it's not a mansion. The, the, word, the word mansion is King James. It just simply means room in the Father's house. It's, it's, God has a room for us in his house. He wa- He's not going to have us far away. He wants us close as can be. <laughs> so a great song, but just, you know, it's fun to sing, but not yet to kind of put it together another way. But there's not going to be those things in heaven. That stuff doesn't matter. Uh, those things are going to be all burned up. That, that kind of thinking will be burned up with this present world, right? When the Lord comes, he redeems his people, he takes the, the righteous dead, they rise from the dead, they, 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 they're given new bodies they, they rise to meet the Lord and those who are alive uh, who love the Lord will also be transformed they'll rise to be, see Jesus and then, then the Lord will send judgment upon the, the, the wicked and the world will be destroyed Peter says with a fervent heat everything I mean everything will be destroyed everything all the elements in the, in, on this earth you know metal wood it, everything will be destroyed so, you know, lands and houses and cars, those things, they're not, that don't matter. That doesn't matter in heaven. What matters in heaven, the riches in heaven is this. Well, it's this. It's relational. It's relationship. That's what's rich. You know, we do get it a little bit here on earth. Sometimes, you know, you have, you have somebody who doesn't have so much money. But let's say they were really, they really, um, maybe a mom or dad, really invested in their, in their children. And somehow just, it worked out where their children just, just loves them, that love them so much. Or maybe in a marriage, a husband and wife, they, they're able to see God's word in such a way. Both of them are, are cooperating together and they just, they just create a, a, a marriage that is, is symbolic of the, of the relationship that Jesus has with his church, like Paul said. They may not have a lot of money, but they are rich. They are rich. 
In fact, I would say they're the richest people in the world. The people who have a relationship that is filled with love and where they honor one another and serve one another and, and families and friends where people care for each other. That's rich. What was that old movie, It's a Wonderful Life? George Bailey, remember that? He didn't have much money, but remember how his friends came together, came to his support? And his brother, Harry, said to George Bailey, the richest man in town, because of all of his friends. Loved ones, that's the way heaven's going to be. God wanting us close to himself, no longer far away, but he will be dwelling with us and we with him. Oh, man. <laughs> His relationship is what it is. That's the riches. And then it'll be that, you know, all the people who God has used you. I mean, we, don't, we won't talk about the rewards today, but all the people that he's used you to touch other people's lives. Just say, I've not touched anybody's life, Pastor. Oh, you just can't. You just don't know. The little things you've done, the things you've given to, the blessings that you think, oh, these are just small things. They don't matter. Oh, God's able to take those things and just magnify them and touch so many people's lives. And you're going to see it someday. And as you stay faithful to Christ. But it's relationship. Then there is this inheritance. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about our inheritance here. There is our inheritance. Our inheritance in Christ has really these four defining qualities that make it just vastly superior to any earthly inheritance at all. Peter says, we just read in Peter uh, chapter uh, 3, uh, verses 3, 3 to 5 there, said it won't perish, it won't spoil, it won't fade, and it's, it's also reserved for you. It's being held uh, on, on reserve there in heaven for you in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 there. Um, Praise the Lord for that. And now, exactly what is it? We know what the adjectives are. We know it's imperishable. We know it's undefiled. We know it's unfading. We know it's reserved. But what exactly is the inheritance that we have? As many of you know, um, I'm one of the caregivers for my father. Uh, my father um, is 92, and he suffers with Alzheimer's disease. And weekly... Uh, when I go to visit him and uh, I like to show him his checking account and his savings account because he likes to know how much money he's got and uh, so I like to you know show him every week I show him I, I, uh, so he has an idea how much money he has and usually what I do I write it down for him because I know if I just tell him he'll, he will have forgotten it in about 30 seconds so, so um, I usually write it down for him and I put a date on it and, I, and this last week I, I was doing the same thing. I was showing him his, his accounts and showing his, his total. And it was uh, kind of heartbreaking for me because he, uh, he looked at me with these uh, sad, confused eyes. And he said, David, um, now exactly what does this mean? I showed him his, his funds. What does this mean and what's it for? really. <laughs> I like getting a little heartbreaking for me because um, uh, I explained it to him that these funds are to take care of him and provide him some security for the future. Now I got to tell you something. I think that's us when it comes to our inheritance in heaven. 
I think if most of us, probably if we were to say, what's your inheritance in heaven? We'd probably kind of say, what's this mean exactly? What is it for? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in the same boat, you know. That's why we, we need to study the Word of God. Um, you know, what exactly is our inheritance? And what's it for, right? Um, loved ones, do, do you ever feel like, you know, that way? You know, when you read about that you're rich in Jesus Christ. What are the riches in Jesus? Or what does the Bible mean when it reveals that you have an inheritance in heaven? Jesus reminded us of something. You remember this? We've, we've heard it all of our lives, and sometimes it may not mean what it, used to, what, it, what it should mean to us, but Jesus said, hey, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth. Remember, it's going to be all burned up. That's, what really what, that's not what the treasure is in heaven. It's not, you know, trying to lay up gold there. Why do you want to take gold there? It's just, just, it's just the pavement, you know, um, there, you know. But um, uh, what, why do you want to, he said, don't store up yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. For where your heart is, they, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus was telling us to get our priorities straight. Get our priorities straight. Most people only focus on getting the riches, getting the material things of this temporary world, which will be burned up in the end, and then they will have nothing. They neglect serious, the serious pursuit of spiritual things now, of those heavenly things that the Bible talks about. Uh, you know, loved ones, this is characteristic of the people who are living on what Jesus called the broad path that leads to destruction and that's what's going to happen to them. They're going to, when they die, their lives are and their souls are going to be destroyed in eternity. But it's, uh, it's so easy, isn't it, to get sidetracked. Even as Christians, we're, we're so busy, so confounded busy and have access to uh, many comforts and entertainments that it is so easy, loved ones, to lose our bearings, to lose our focus on keeping spiritual matters first in our hearts, to keep what Jesus said is important first in our hearts. Jesus says to store up treasure in heaven that will last forever. And what kind of treasure is that, is that, that he's talking about? Well, he's talking about your spiritual inheritance is what he's talking about. He's talking about what the uh, apostles further kind of uh, um, explained or expanded upon in the, in, the, in the epistle letters, in the letters of the New Testament. Here on earth, there's always a concern that your retirement funds could run out, you know, depending on the economy. But our spiritual inheritance in heaven will take care of every need that you're going to have throughout eternity. And it'll never, never, never run out. Your inheritance in heaven will take care of every need that you'll have throughout all eternity. And in a similar manner, you know, these specific treasures that, that the Bible's going to be, I'm going to be talking to you about here, and the necessities, it'll enable you to live, live, live forever. So our spiritual inheritance, first of all, provides us for a new glorious body that is imperishable. That's your inheritance right there. That's huge. Have you seen how you're looking lately? <laughs> Aren't you glad about that? 
God says, this is part of your inheritance. You're going to have a, you have a guarantee of a new body. Guarantee. There's no question about it. It's a guarantee. It provides us, uh, Jesus, um, you know, because of Jesus, it will never perish. It's imperishable, Peter says. It's not subject to death anymore. It's not subject to decay or corruption. There's no seed of death in it. It will endure forever in perfect condition. After Jesus rose from the dead, his body became imperishable forever. His body... uh, you know, did not decay and death couldn't hold him and death will not hold us either. And that's why Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, uh, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, in other words, when we get our new bodies, the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Loved ones, Christ's word is imperishable. Through it, we're born again into God's kingdom, and it's an unshakable kingdom that it can't be shaken, where neither moth nor rust destroys, Jesus tells us. Hmm. So our bodies are going to be different. There's nothing of the weakness that we have now in our body is going to be in those bodies. <laughs> you know, um, we... We'll never have another ache, never have another pain. The old things are passed away. The new has come. We'll have this unique body just like Jesus. And, it, and that is a thought and a half. To think that the eternal Son of God, that he put on human flesh, became like us, uh, uh, and, and then became a... Uh, God gave him a glorious new body, and we're going to have one just like his. Just like it. He'll be forever this... He, this God-man in a glorious body and he'll be our representative always and he will and our bodies will be just like his. We, we won't be angels, of course. We're going to be higher than angels. Um, the redeemed ones, there's no sense of pride or superiority at all in, in that. It's just the way it is that the angels, they're, they're confounded by you know, redemption and they, they want to they look into it, but, but they, they can't experience it. Only but we have, we have experienced it and we'll no longer be subject to the confines of space or confines of time. Of course, time will have ended by then. Um, Revelation chapter 10 verse 6 is a marvelous verse when it talks about the only verse that has it accurate actually in all the versions is King James Version. That's why we should never throw away your King James Bible. <laughs> yeah, Because uh, a lot of times they have, uh, they have things more accurately than the modern day versions do. But there in the King James Version it, it says it just right that, dimes, that God's going to shut off time. Time will just be shut off. And then Christ comes back. Yeah, Time will end. Amen? Time will end. Because there's no time in heaven. Eternity has no time. Christ will then, he'll, he'll appear and he'll transform our bodies into this glorious, his glorious like body and we'll be forever with him. What exactly will we look like? Well, whether we look younger or older, I don't know. I don't know what we'll look like. I, I, we'll, we'll, you know, I know one thing, we'll look wondrous and we'll shine like the sun in God's glory. Some people think we'll be young again. Everybody will look young again. I, I don't know, but whatever we look like, it, we're, we're going to look good. We're going to look really good. 
I don't know if people who used to have hair will have hair again. I, I, I don't know any of those things. But, but you know what? We're going to recognize everybody. Because uh, here's something we're going to touch on next week. Because we will be perfect. We will be perfected then. I know it's hard to believe, but God's going to perfect us. So there's going to be a transformation take place with us in our, not just our bodies, but our minds as well. All the cloudiness and fogginess and, the, and the, sometimes all the screwed up mess we are in our heads is going to be all straightened out. And we're going to be able to think so perfect and we're going to know people. We're going to know Adam and Eve just as soon as we see them. We're, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're not going to bring up their failures either. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Adam. I, you know what we, we you know what you put us through. No, we're not going to do that at all because no one will bring up our failures either. And, um, you know, we'll know everyone there. We'll know, we'll know every baby that's ever been born, every miscarriage that's ever been, uh, that's been experienced in history. We'll know everyone there. Um, We'll, we'll know Moses. We'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll know Samuel. Uh, parents will know their children that, that they didn't know they had. Um, we'll know, you know, David and, and Paul and Peter and John Wesley and George Washington and Lincoln and, and Reagan, I think. I think he loved the Lord. And scores and scores of other. And likely, you know, God will give us all new names as well. You know, think new names? Yeah, that's one thing. We're, that's part of our inheritance. You're going to probably get a new name, most likely. You're going to get a new name. The scriptures seem to point to that. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, that says, I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. <laughs> so God's going to give you a new name. You know, uh, um, how many names, you know, wow. That means probably everybody, you knew, wow, isn't that amazing? Think, think about it. Think of all the billions in heaven and all the billions of names that God's going to come up with. Everybody will be known by a name that is unique to you and your personality and the grace that God has created in you to make you who you are. Pretty neat. It's about relationship, you know. It's about people. It's not about stuff. That's going to be the joy. Yeah. The one who is victorious, Revelation 3.12, as we close here today, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, and the, that is the new Jerusalem, and which is coming down out of heaven from God. And I will also write on them my new name. So Jesus has a name that we don't know yet that he's going to reveal to us in that day. This is only one glorious part of our inheritance, a brand new body. That is not a hint of the declining effects of sin on it. Next Sunday, we're going to continue to examine this astounding inheritance of ours. For there are many, many wonders, loved ones, that, that make up our inheritance of Jesus. And this, this one here, just having a new body, is, 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 is the first, is the first uh, blessing um, of it. Um, you say, Pastor, how do you know for sure this is true? How, how do you know? Well, it's because the Bible tells us so, loved ones. Uh, uh, let me just close with these scriptures here. Look what the Apostle Paul says. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation. When, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption, that is, of our bodies, of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Paul goes on to say, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts 
as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So do you see? The reason why we can believe this is true is because the Holy Spirit lives in us now. God lives in us now. And he's the deposit guaranteeing that what the Bible says is true and that we can, we can have faith and believe, we can trust that this is our blessed hope, that we have this new body coming one of these days and a whole lot more that is just going to blow our minds. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Lord, thank you so very, very, very much for uh, giving us so much, for giving us, making us so rich. It just blows our understanding that you would want to be with us, that you want to uh, clutch us to yourself, so to speak, that you want to abide in our, in our presence and have us abide in yours, that you want to look at us face to face and you want us to look at you face to face, that you want to speak to us plainly without any kind of uh, problem or any kind of uh, hindrance at all, and you want us to speak to you, and you want to teach us new things about the glory of who you are, it just blows our mind to think that this is, this is the promise, this is the future we have to look forward to. Thank you so very much for making heaven so real, so, so promising, so full of greatness. We pray that we will stay on the narrow road, that we will listen to your Spirit who abides in us, uh, directing our attention, directing us on the right path, directing us, uh, uh, disciplining us when we, when we get, get sluggish or lazy in our hearts. Because, Lord, you, you want us desperately to be with you. Lord, we pray that uh, you'll help each one of us to continue to have open hearts towards you, listening and staying in the Spirit, walking with you, being the light, uh, a brighter light to people around us. Father, as surely as this world and this culture of ours gets darker and darker, we certainly need to be brighter and brighter. Pray that we will grow closer to you and enjoy and that people will know we're Christians and that, Lord, we won't be ashamed to even mention it to them, whether we're at the store or school or factory or whether we're at, that we'll look for opportunities to bring you up, to put you in the conversation. Oh God, we pray you'll keep your hand upon us today as we leave. Pray this will be a good Lord's Day, one that is uh, a day when we can uh, benefit from rest as well as the worship and inspiration of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Lord bless you. Let's all stand together. Give someone an encouraging hug and, and uh, tell them that, you know, you're going to get a new body one of these days, okay? <laughs>